Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. back to pure evil mma just wrapped up ufc 219 last night and uh it was almost like the perfect card to wrap up 2017 in the way of it was supposed to be 2017 was supposed to be a really exciting year we had a lot of really exciting fights lined up and we really didn't know what to expect but looking at ufc 219 it was kind of the same thing we were excited to see Holly, Holly Holm versus Chris Cyborg. Was Holly Holm going to be able to do it again? Was she going to be able to stop an unstoppable force? And, uh, you know, there were some moments last night in UFC 219, but nothing really that stuck. Nothing that really we're going to be talking about, even though it's fresh in our head, that if we look back at 2017, there's nothing about UFC 219 that we're probably going to pull, besides really Habib Nurmagomedov's performance against Edson Barboza, really looking like, Edson Barboza was attacked by a bear in the middle of the woods with the clothes off of his back. I mean, it literally looked like he was just mauled last night. So a big pat on the back for Habib Nurmagomedov. And really, there wasn't much hype going into UFC 219. I mean, a lot of us really wanted to see if Holly Holm was going to be able to pull it off or if Chris Cyborg was going to be able to go in there and... You know, a lot of people were out there were saying, including myself, I, I kind of believe this too, and it made a lot of sense that this was one of the biggest tests for both girls, for Holly Holm and also Chris Cyborg. And, you know, to go all five rounds with Chris Cyborg, Holly Holm, I mean, she did a, a pretty well, a pretty good job, but um, a lot of people out there are upset that she wasn't able to pull through and get the finish over Chris Cyborg. But you could say that she won the first two rounds on a lot of people's cards, not on my cards per se. I mean, maybe the first round, but the second round, uh, I, I see how we can give it to Holly. But last three rounds, all Cyborg, all day long, and really did a lot from the clinch. I mean, was a lot of people expecting Holly to be pushing up Cyborg against a clinch? She did a lot more than any of uh, Cyborg's last opponents have been able to do. So... I know uh, 2017 is wrapped up in the books. This is our last live webcast. I mean, uh, 2017 went by really quick, and I'm looking forward to doing the end of the year podcast with you guys. I'm going to be trying to reach out to Eddie Mercado, who you guys know from Bloody Elbow. We'll see who else I'm going to uh, be able to get on this year's show. But, uh, you know, last night, it didn't really deliver for, for me. There was just a weird vibe going into it. Even the commentating, it just seemed off. I'm sure... The, they were trying to do the best that they could, but there was just something missing in last night's event, and I'll, I'll, I can't put my finger directly on it. I mean, we had the star power last night, but then again, maybe if those fights that were supposed to happen, like Jimmy Rivera versus uh, Dominic Cruz, and also Gokan Saki versus Khalil Roundtree, maybe if those two fights did go through, maybe it could have been a little bit better, but um, 
And all in all, I'm going to be asking you guys to rate this card as we get to the end of the show. So keep that in mind as we go through it and kind of relive some of the best moments. If this is your first time tuning into Pure Evil MMA, make sure you subscribe. Down below, guys, we do this show every time there is a UFC event. And, uh, you know, the weekly podcast, I have a couple of really exciting guests that are going to be coming on in the next couple of weeks here so you guys got your eyes peeled make sure to subscribe down below we got all the new equipment here in the studio got the new webcam going we got the new microphone going and we get to start fresh another year fresh for pure evil mma and it was such a a successful year before we break down ufc uh, 219 i just want to thank all of our listeners that have tuned in this year i mean it was our biggest year over a hundred thousand downloads for the podcast this year, I kind of want to grow the video cast now that we've got the new webcam and stuff. We're going to be trying to do a little more YouTube uh, things on YouTube, like doing more live streams like we did back in the day. But now that we got the equipment to do it, uh, I'm ready for it. I'm ready for 2018. we got a lot of exciting events that we're going to be able to look forward to. And we're going to be talking about all that and much more at the end of the podcast here today. So it is New Year's Eve right now. It is about 7.58, about 8 o'clock, a couple more hours to go. And just looking back at last year at this time, if you guys have been listening to the show that long, um, I was in New York City for World Series of Fighting on New Year's Eve. Last year at this time, I met Nate Diaz. Backstage, Chuck Liddell was there. Oh, we actually saw Chuck Liddell jump in front of some. Well, we didn't personally see it, but other media members after we left, I left with a couple of the other media members. Somebody texted us like, Chuck Liddell just ran out of MSG and jumped in front of a group of people and just gave them the, the stone cold stare. They let him take the cab up. Who wouldn't? I mean, this dude walks up to you with painted black nails and just grills you with his mohawk in zero-degree weather. You're not going to be like, hey, mister, what are you doing? Uh, no, honey, back up. That's Chuck Liddell. So last year at this time, uh, you know, out there in New York, did a podcast with Carrie. So any of our listeners want to go back a year and, and hear uh, that adventure, it was uh, quite the experience being in New York City. I mean, we didn't stay for the ball to drop, but either way... Uh, New York City on New Year's Eve, something that everybody wants to do on their bucket list. I got to do it, and I got to do it in the best way imaginable, covering an MMA event for a promotion that's no longer existing. And headlining the event was Justin Gaethje, who had, and by far, the best year, even though he's coming off a loss to Eddie Alvarez. The two fights that Justin Gaethje's within, uh, you know, including being a coach on the Ultimate Fighter this season, uh, a huge year for Justin Gaethje. So I'm interested to see what you guys are calling for Fighter of the Year. Uh, fight of the year, knockout of the year, but debut of the year has to go to Justin Gaethje. Uh, Gokan Saki, an amazing knockout, an amazing debut. Aaron Pico for Bellator, another amazing knockout. So uh, a lot, a lot happened this year that I think there's going to be a lot of people out there that are surprised at what we actually watched happen this year that we really didn't give enough credit to. I think we had such high expectations and we poured a lot of emotion into what Connor was going to be doing. And, uh, you know, Ronda just lost last year at this time against Amanda Nunes. So, uh, you know, we went into 2017 with with high expectations. And we I feel like we didn't enjoy the moment. I mean, starting last year off, we had Valentina Shevchenko versus Juliana Pena to start the year off. Or BJ Penn versus Yair. And it was just a weird and wacky year. But there were a lot of moments, which is why I'm saying UFC 219 was perfect end of the year show in comparison to what we witnessed in 2017 and i'll say it one last time we were looking forward to it there were its moments but nothing really delivered nothing really stuck so with that being said let me get into our main event which was holly home versus chris cyborg and man the combos of holly home i mean i was really interested in seeing what she was going to do with her game plan here because holly home is she's just such a linear path 
when she's doing the combos, like pushing forward on Chris Cyborg. She might sh uh, throw one or two shots in the air before she lands one at the end of her combination. But with Chris Cyborg, man, uh, every shot that Cyborg lands did a lot of damage. Just snapping Holly Holmes' head back. And what Holly was landing really wasn't doing much, if anything, to Chris Cyborg. Now, going all five rounds with, with Chris, like I said, you got to give Holly a hand here. But it's just... Uh, you know, the quick kicks that Holly tried to do, and it just, nothing really added up. She kept, uh, kept trying to go to the body, but Cyborg was just relentless, just kept pushing forward. And I'm really interested to see what uh, they have planned for her in 2018 now. I mean, what really, uh, what do they really have on the table right now for Chris Cyborg? You can say Megan Anderson, which I, I'm for. I, I would love to see Megan Anderson in the UFC, but the question is, and where I throw my flag up is, is it too soon for Megan Anderson? Is it too soon to just throw another girl? This is what they've been doing all year. 145 pound division. They've been picking girls out of the woodwork from bantamweight and saying, here, here's Chris Cyborg. Uh, we need we need a, a co-main event. We need something to get people pumped up about. But there's no real division there. There's still no real division. We went almost, what, eight months, seven months since they uh, introduced this weight division and we had Jermaine Durandamy versus Holly Holm. Holly Holm fought twice for this belt already in the year. There's no real actual division for Chris Cyborg. The only real competition that I could think of is Amanda Nunes, and I mentioned it on the pre-show. That is the only person that I can think of. So, um, you know, Megan Anderson with Invicta, and she leaves. Who's Invicta really have there? I mean, what do you guys think about this? Let me know on Twitter at EvilOnder-Echo. That's E-V-I-L underscore ECCO. What's next for Holly Holm? I mean, this is really a bummer. I mean, what can you do next? She's lost four out of her last six fights or something like that. She All right, so for those of you guys who don't know, Holly Holm came, she beat Ronda Rousey, took the belt. Then she lost to Misha Tate. All right? And then she ended up going to fight Valentina Shevchenko. Valentina Shevchenko pieced Holly Holm up. And they're like, all right, let's give Holly Holm another shot. We'll give her Jermaine Durandamy. Jermaine Durandamy pieces Holly Holm up. And then they give Holly Holm Betchkohea. She gets that amazing head kick finish over Betchkohea. And then we had Chris Cyborg last night. So Holly Holm on the skids, man. I, I don't I don't know what to do next with her. But for Chris Cyborg, I mean, with, with what options were given, Amanda Nunes is the one I want to see. So I don't know if Amanda Nunes has come out and said anything yet, but that's the fight that I want to see. All right, so our co-main event, guys. That's what really stuck out last night was Habib Nurmagomedov versus Edson Barboza. Now, Edson Barboza, I was really worried because in his last fight, he pieced up Benil Dariush. And the fact that he got the timing down perfectly. But last night, Habib had no problem going in there and exchanging leg kicks, even flying knees at Edson Barboza. And we saw him do this uh, pretty much take out a fighter's greatest skill set with his own skill set. Like, in his last fight against Michael Johnson, he tried proving to everybody that on his feet, he's just as much as a threat as Michael Johnson is. And even though there were those moments where he did get uh, a couple of clean shots in on Habib, Habib Nurmagomedov ended that fight like a monster. And last night, he wanted to do the same thing with Edson Barboza. Oh, they, they tell Habib he needs to worry out for leg kicks. He needs to worry out for the, 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 the quickness of his knee. Habib was like, you know what? I'm going to go in there. And he just looked like something else man like a little a literal wild animal just unleashing 
Like, I felt bad for Edson Barboza. After the first round, it looked like Edson Barboza just got mauled in six rounds. Like, it looked like he wanted no part. Like, Habib Nurmagomedov literally put his everything out there. And in between rounds, just screaming at Dana White, he wants that belt. And in 2018, if you are not matching up Conor McGregor with Habib Nurmagomedov, that is the fight. That is the ultimate fight. For anyone that out there is saying, no, that's ridiculous. Conor doesn't want that fight. Conor, if you're out there and you're saying everybody doubted me to get to this point, and yeah, he had a great career. I'm a huge fan of Conor, but people are doubting you right now that you're going to defend the belt. We want to see you fight one of the most hyped up lightweights right now in 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 the UFC, and that is, if not Tony Ferguson, it's not Justin Gaethje anymore because Eddie Alvarez beat Justin Gaethje, and Eddie Alvarez got beat bad by Conor McGregor. So it has to be Habib Nurmagomedov, especially after his performance last night. Are you kidding me? How does how does he not get the title shot? And now you do have the interim belt floating around with Tony Ferguson, and we've been trying to put Tony Ferguson versus Habib numerous times and it's fallen through every single time i believe three times we tried setting up habib Nurmagomedov and uh tony ferguson and it just won't happen something out there in the, in the laws of nature the mma gods just won't allow this fight to happen well please if it's not going to be tony ferguson and i would love to see that fight if it's not going to be tony ferguson please let it be conor mcgregor and if those aren't if those two aren't the option what about Eddie Alvarez? Eddie Alvarez had a great performance against Justin Gaethje. I mean, that fight went both ways, but Eddie, in my mind, seeing Eddie Alvarez versus Habib, that would be a fun fight. Now, a lot of people might say, no, 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 we don't want to see that because just because he lost so bad to Conor McGregor at UFC 205 that it's hard to see him work his way back up to the rematch. But why the hell not? After a performance like Eddie Alvarez just had, after a performance like Habib, I mean... Really, in my eyes, Habib is the number one contender here. But it's Tony Ferguson that's holding the interim title. So if you're not matching that up, if you're not matching Conor up, I mean, why aren't these being matched up? These are the fights that people want to see. This is where you're going to be really at the edge of your seat. Where And these are the fights that we love that Conor McGregor's in. It's where we look at a fight. We're like, how is, how is this Irish lad going to get past what looks like a, a monster, a beast, something that's unstoppable. I, I keep saying it like Habib Nurmagomedov undefeated. And you can say that the fight with Daryl Horcher. I mean, Habib was returning after a two-year layoff to fight Daryl Horcher, which really came out of nowhere. And uh, Daryl Horcher had his moments with Habib, but the end result, Habib won. Michael Johnson pieced him up a little bit on the feet, but Habib won. Edson Barboza last night, Habib there made sure that we have not a doubt in our minds that he deserves the title next. And how do you not love that hype that he brings to the table? That excitement. Like, you know when Habib Nurmagomedov is matched up to fight, that you better be at the edge of your seat. You better hope that your internet, if you're watching via Wi-Fi, it is not lagging. And to see Conor McGregor, like, what is he going to do against it? I mean, if you're looking at it as well as like, all right, is Conor going to take that fight? It's too scary of a fight. Maybe he'll take Tony. He sees better. Uh, options and Tony more holes in Tony's game maybe because he is the interim champ but I want to see Conor McGregor fight the toughest of the tough and if Tony Ferguson and, and Habib aren't fighting I mean let me say this we need to know what the fuck is going on 
with Conor McGregor in that weight division because this can't be held up anymore. And I'm so sick of having interim titles. I, I do not want to go another year in MMA with interim titles. With that being said, let me know what you guys think about this on Twitter because it, it's literally driving me crazy. Literally. I mean, all right, you gave up the featherweight title. You go over to boxing. And really, what everyone's going to remember about 2017 isn't in MMA. It's Conor McGregor and Mayweather. That's what really stuck out. I hate to say it, but uh, it was a moment in history, and we got to witness it. There's no shame in that. I mean, there's like this thing out there that people are like, they don't want to acknowledge that it happened. They don't want to. But guys, this is something that we're going to be talking about for, for years. And, and it's looking like as we're marching into 2017 that we might even see a Pauli Malanhashi come over and, and fight in the octagon. We might even see a Mayweather come over and fight in the octagon. I mean, if it happens, it happens. Um, but I don't want that to be the permanent direction the sport does take. But at the end of the day, we watched Mayweather McGregor this year. And that's what a lot of people out there, including your banker, your ice cream man, your little sister, your mother, your grandmother... People you would never even expect to know about fighting. I mean, on Christmas Eve, I asked my uh, I asked my father because I remember growing up, I was listening to one of my buddies' podcasts, uh, not the Loaded Joe's, who was it? Um, Loudmouth MMA. I was listening to their podcast and they were going back uh, reviewing UFC one, and they were talking about it. Uh, you know, Mike Tyson when he fought Holyfield and like the vibe in the in the pop culture. Like, everybody watched that fight. Everybody, for some reason, was talking about that fight and uh, ended up watching Mike Tyson bite Holy Holyfield's ear off. I was one of those kids. My father would rent the pay-per-views. I would watch Mike Tyson. I remember being like, "What? oh, my God, Like, was that real? Like, I was a huge fan of wrestling. And to see this huge dude go in there, and literally, like, they, I remember them zooming in on the ear. Like, it might be something I'm making up in my mind, but I remember, like, being so confused about what just happened. Like, everybody was confused. And, like, they zoomed in on, like, a piece of his ear on the canvas. Like, he had a chunk of his ear missing. And I was asking my dad on, on Christmas Eve, I was like, you know, looking back at that moment in time, like, the build up to that fight, comparing that to Mayweather-McGregor, like, was it close? Like, was was Tyson a bigger draw back then? Like, where everybody was talking about, like, your grandmother, your aunt's. Like, my little sister watched Mayweather-McGregor. My little sister was telling me that Mayweather was going to win, and I was laughing, like, like, bitch, you don't know. You don't know what you're talking about. And fuck, she she even predicted that he was going to get knocked out. That McGregor was going to get knocked out. I was like, Mayweather hasn't knocked a dude out in, like, years. And what happens? My little sister stunts me. And my little sister pulled through with this crazy prediction. What do I know? So, uh, you know, I, I asked my dad, and he was like, I've never seen anything like the buildup to Mayweather-McGregor. Nothing like that ever before. I mean, even the Pacquiao, he was saying, like, it wasn't like that back in the day. At least, uh, and my father is a fight fan, but not like uh, like diehard. Like, he always wants to go see local MMA fights and stuff like that. But, you know, comparing the two, it's kind of cool. Like, we got to witness that. We got to see Mayweather McGregor in 2017. I was even at the press conference. Like, 2017, what's going to be really pulled from that year that people are going to be remembering is Mayweather McGregor, unfortunately. So we need to know what's going to be going on with May, uh, McGregor this year because uh, this whole boxing thing, it, it just seems like the trend right now. So we'll see what 2018 brings, but we definitely need to know what the fuck is going on in the weight division, please. All right, so uh, moving on. 
Before this fight, we had Daniel Hooker versus DeCasey. Now, this was a fight that I said was a sleeper fight that nobody was really talking about. I was really hyped up for DeCasey, but if you checked out the pre-show that I did for UFC 219, the one thing that I said about this fight that I was a little nervous about was how Mark DeCasey was going to go into this fight and try to make something happen, not out of free will, but try to force one of those spin kicks to land, try to really put on a show and he made that mistake last time in his fight and it ended up losing to the indecision I believe to Jakar Close I was really nervous that he was going to do that in this fight Daniel Hooker what he did in the first round was really just put the pressure on Mark DeCasey and really just tire him out I mean he really wasn't Hooker wasn't really active but he just kept putting on the pressure to Casey which just seemed so tense trying to pull something off trying to force something to happen and wasn't able to do it and in the uh had like a takedown in the last 10 seconds, and then all over. I mean, DeCasey gets submitted. Just like that. And he looked so upset. Uh, so I definitely feel for the guy because he had so much hype in 2017 when he had that amazing finish in the first round. You even remember uh, Dan coming in and being like, you can keep the red mohawk. You got it done even quicker than I did. You know what? There's a lot of people that were really excited about this fight, and I'm not mad at it. Even Mark DeCasey, uh, even though he lost Daniel Hooker, I've interviewed Hooker before in the past, he's a tough son of a bee. I mean, he's hot and cold, but you got to look out for that guy. So, uh, you know, it's up in the air what's going to happen with Mark DeCasey moving, uh, moving into the next gym. I mean, he's training with a very great gym with American Top Team with some of the best out there. So, uh, you know, I'm sure they'll figure out what's going on. He's an exciting fighter, but, um, you know, he wants to be able to break the rankings, and you can't force those things to happen. I mean, it just naturally has to come. I'm not a fighter. I'm not a trainer. I'm not a. I'm not your gym member. I'm not your best friend to tell you these things. But just from what I see, uh, and just the vibes that I pick up, that's what I got here. But big win for Dan Hooker. And before that fight is a fight that a lot of people were surprised about. One of the big underdogs of the night, Carla Esparza. Pulling through against the young gun, Cynthia. And you know what? One thing I need to mention about this fight really quick is that Cynthia Calvillo going in this fight undefeated. Carlos Barza, the former champ. One of the only girls to have a win over Rosna Mahunez. And finally, we were going to see if Cynthia Calvillo is going to be able to hang with the top of the top dogs in the weight division. Or, and if Carlos Barza, you know, is going to be able to lose to the young gun and see a new generation, a new era like everybody likes to say, wasn't the case here. And there are a lot of people that were surprised that Carlos Esparza won, but on my scorecard, I had the first round going for the young gun, Cynthia. The second and third, I had going for Carla. Some people had it different. I even saw some people had the first round for Carla. But the way that Carla enforced her will, especially ending the fight, was just so brutal. Uh, the first round, I scored for Cynthia, and second and third, like I said. And the, it's up in the air, like, is Tisha Torres next for Carla Esparza? Because Tisha Torres wants Rose Namajunas. Are they going to do the rematch with uh, Joanna young Jacek? What's going on with that weight division and the champion who is currently Thug Rose? You have the girl who beat Thug Rose. You have Tisha Torres who also beat Thug Rose in their first fight. But Tisha Torres also lost in the rematch. So with a performance like that out of Carla, I would like to see Carla versus Tisha. But a lot of people out there are really upset that uh, Cynthia Calvillo lost this fight. 
but really big right hands by Cynthia Calvillo. I thought she did a great job. I mean, it wasn't a, a dull performance whatsoever, and she had some pretty serious takedown defense. But um, you know, the hammer fist and and just like the scrambles that they had going on early on in that fight, and Carla uh, had a couple of armbar attempts. So when she was in that position, she made sure that Cynthia was aware that you need to watch out. Like I'm a threat off my back, so don't get too comfortable. Uh, on top here because at any second I can grab that arm uh, I can grab the arm and I could possibly end this fight she has that experience and that's what we wanted to see we saw exactly what we knew in our minds that if Cynthia was going to be able to get past Carla Sparza the real champion the, the first the first champion in the weight division uh, if she was going to be able to get past her then uh, that's huge brownie points right there moving forward and I would have liked to see her fight Tisha if she did beat Carla Esparza last night. But that wasn't the case. Carla Esparza, man, big year for her. And also, Fleece Herrig had another great year. We're very familiar with both of these girls. It's trying to put their foot down and saying, we're not going anywhere. Like, we built this division up. We are some of the pioneers of this females division. And uh, we are not downgrading whatsoever. If anything, we are getting better. So, uh, you know, all these girls that are coming up evolving, uh, you know, even they just had this weight division open up for the season of Ultimate Fighter. You have uh, Nico Montano. Like, what's going to happen there as this year goes on? Like, there's a lot of new things that we have looking forward to. A lot of questions up in the air, especially when it comes to the females. And last night, Carlos Esparza really assuring us that, you know, some of the older faces um, are, are improving. If anything, look at Random Marcos. Random Marcos had a couple of great performances this year. I think she went one and one, but... Uh, she's improved by far compared to her past. Uh, Rose Namahunas had an amazing year. She's improved. Uh, Raquel Pennington, another top dog in 2017. I mean, she did great in 2016, did even better in 2017. Her and Tisha had a great year and uh, at the top of the weight division. So I'm really excited looking forward at what these girls are going to be doing and uh, who they want to be matched up with moving forward. We also have Jesse Jess versus Paige Van Zant to look forward to in 2018. So... Female division, what are you guys most excited to see? What's Joanna going to do next? All these questions are up in the air. What's Tisha? Who's Tisha going to fight next? Who's Carly going to fight next? Where does Cynthia go from here? Let me know what you guys think on Twitter at evil-echo. That's E-V-I-L underscore E-C-C-O. All right, also, guys, we had the return of Carlos Condit last night, and this was a little upsetting. Um, you know, but looking back at it, he did better than I, I thought, like, when I watched the fight, I was like, you know, like you guys know I'm not a huge believer in ring rust. I really don't believe in ring rust that much. I mean, uh, if you look at Dominic Cruz, there's no ring rust there. If you even look at uh, the Korean zombie, two years away from the octagon, comes in and just runs through Dennis Bermudez. Like that was another amazing fight that we had this year where he just really shocked everybody and one of the huge reasons why I really don't believe in ring rust. You can say it for a lot of guys, but there are examples out there like this fight where you could say, was it the ring rust of Carlos Condit? Because as the fight went on, it seemed like Carlos started warming up. And maybe if that was a five round fight, we could have seen Carlos really get into it, get the gears going, but he wasn't able to do that in my eyes. Some people even gave Carlos the first round. I gave the first round to Neil Magny, but like Neil Magny didn't do much. He got a lot of credit for the takedowns, really. Won the round over takedowns, and that goes for both guys. I mean, it's not Neil Magny's fault that he won the round. I'm not saying that, but um, there wasn't really anything strike like 
I believe, I believe Kyler Condit had more strikes than Neil Magny. But what sealed the second round was the takedowns. Or in the first round were the takedowns. But Carlos Condit going there with the kicks. Well, he was just couldn't find his rhythm. Like Neil Magny wasn't allowing him to really find his rhythm. But every time he would like try to get the elbow going in the clinch, like you could see him warming up. But to return to the octagon after a year to fight somebody like Neil Magny, who's been really active, it, it's a tough one. It's a really tough one, and they're so close in the rankings. Some people are like, how is Neil Magny still... I mean, how is Carlos Condit still ranked in the rankings after not fighting in a year? Like, how does that make sense? A lot of people are, are confused about that, but even though Neil Magny won last night, it like, doesn't make me excited to see what's next for Neil Magny. Like, like I used to be in the past. I mean, RDA, who just ran through Neil Magny not too long ago. So... Like, what's next for Neil? I mean, I'm not too excited to see what's next for, for Neil Magny after this fight. And, and you might be mad at me. I'm sorry. I'm not trying to offend anybody. But I'm saying that I think... And Carlos kind of a tough dude. I'm, I shouldn't really be saying any of this. Because who am I to really judge it? But, uh, no, props to Neil Magny for not allowing Carlos Condit to catch his rhythm. But, really, I wasn't too impressed with his performance there. I think he just did enough to get the win. In my opinion, you guys might agree. Agree, you might disagree. But um, moving forward, I mean, with a win over Johnny Hendricks, that must have been a huge confident booster. Uh, a loss to RDA, yeah, that sucks. But a win over Carlos Condit—that's huge. Another huge win on Neil Magny's record. But the performance just wasn't all there. Didn't get me too excited. But uh, if that was a five-round fight, I think Carlos Condit might have been able to uh, open up, get the win. But that wasn't the case, so. What do you guys want to see for Neil Magny next? He's at the top of this weight division in the top 10. So, And what's next for Carlos Condit? Was that the fight that he's just going to say goodbye to? Or is he you know, going to give it another shot? Neil Magny is a tough son of a gun. But Carlos Condit this year, if we saw anything, it was that he was really trying to prepare for a plan B. I mean, just to rewind really quick before we move on, uh, Carlos Condit, if you guys don't know who he is, he's been around forever in the WEC. But as for the last year, the last two years, I mean, we began 2016 with that amazing fight, which was one of the best fights of the year in 2016, Carlos Condit versus Robbie Lawler. And remember the iconic photo of both of them holding their hands over the octagon like they both gave it their all. That wasn't the performance that we saw of Carlos Condit last night. Like, Carlos Condit looked phenomenal against Robbie Lawler. But then after that, after that loss to Robbie Lawler, he gets back in there. And he fights Damian Maya, and Damian Maya runs through Carlos Conant, submits him in a matter of like a minute. And now, this loss puts Carlos Conant on a three-fight losing streak. So, what do you guys think? Is he going to be opening up to a retirement? Because he did open up this coffee shop. What do you guys think? Let me know on Twitter at evil under dash echo. That's E-V-I-L underscore E-C-C-O. All right, moving on, guys. Another fight that I was kind of upset about and a fight that was originally supposed to be matched up with Gokan Saki. It was Khalil Roundtree, which we remember from that season, Ultimate Fighter, uh, a knockout artist. But in this fight, I mean, he looked so jacked, man. He looked freaking ripped. Like, if USADA wasn't around right now, I'd be like, this guy is freaking juicing. There's no doubt. But uh, I, I shouldn't be saying that. But at the same time, he looked like he was just ripped up head to toe. And put on an explosive first round. 
against his opponent. I'm going to try to pronounce his last name, Olelian Angshuk. So the first round, it was just Khalil just going out there and giving the dude hell, like just pushing forward with these huge, big left hands, throwing knees, but then he just gasses. And it was just exhausting to watch Khalil Roundtree in there, trying to muster up enough strength to just pull off a couple of one-twos and hopefully land a nice left or a right that was going to drop Olelian Angshuk. But Olelian Angshuk had his a fucking chin on him. If if we learned anything last night, is that that dude has a freaking chin on him because Khalil was landing some solid left hands and uh, some really solid leg kicks as well. But the second and third round, it was just so hard to watch. I was literally gasping for air myself trying to watch these two try to perform. But uh, you know, the first round for Khalil, the second round for Lillian Ninchuk, and the third round... Khalil Roundtree has to go back to the drawing board. I believe he's training over at Syndicate. And, uh, you know, you got some some top dogs over there as well, like Coach John Wood, I believe. So you got Jesse Jess over there. You got uh, a bunch of guys from that season, Ultimate Fighter as well. So this just sucks, man, because when you're in the UFC, you learn a lot of lessons, and it might be too late by the time you've learned them. And in this case, Khalil Roundtree, we were really expecting a lot. And if you guys heard the pre-show, you heard me say my thoughts and opinions on Jimmy uh, Rivera not taking this fight on short notice because of situations like this. Like, Clue Roundtree was originally matched up to fight Gokan Saki. So he was preparing for a Gokan Saki fight. And in this case, he decided to continue on because he wanted to be on the end of the year card for UFC 219. He was really excited about that. And for whatever reason, it just didn't work out in his way and he gets a loss. But even if it was a loss to Gokan Saki, at least people would have been a little more excited to watch that fight. Even if it was ex exhausting to watch, we could count on Gokan Saki possibly landing one of those crazy underhands and uh, ending the fight. But that wasn't the case. And Khalil Roundtree, unfortunately, it's going to go under the radar for UFC 219. And I was excited to watch this fight. I thought Khalil was going to be able to get it done. I put money down on Khalil, but um, it would just suck to see him get his, his uh, pink slip because... I know that he has a lot to offer, and it just didn't happen last night. But he had that brutal knockout over Jolly a couple of months ago, or maybe at the beginning of the year. It was just like, this is, Khalil Roundtree is a bad dude. And uh, maybe he needs to go to another smaller organization and build himself back up. We see this happen a lot when it comes to Ultimate Fighter. You see guys just come in too soon, and they're just not ready for that level. And that might be the case for Khalil Roundtree. Who knows? We'll see what happens with him. We'll pay close attention to his social media, and we'll let you guys know. If you find anything out about Khalil, let me know. And, uh, you know, hats off to his opponent, man. That dude's a tough, tough G, man. Moving on, Rick Glenn uh, against Miles Jury. And Miles Jury put on one of the best performances I've ever seen in his career against a very tough opponent, Rick Glenn. But Rick Glenn, man, huge fan, but he wasn't able to pull the trigger. Like, he was just being really hesitant, wasn't able to find his rhythm. I mean, we saw, it was just like the Carlos Conde. He wasn't able to find his rhythm. Uh, Miles Jury was just being able to rip off these these leg kicks. Nothing too powerful. I mean, he trains with people like Dominic Cruz. So he really resembles that kind of a Dominic Cruz style where it's amazing footwork. Um, just really tapping you with the foot, uh, with the footies. And you know what? It was weird listening to the commentating last night because it seemed like Joe Rogan was trying to put his, like, uh, his criticism in. And it was constructive criticism, but I feel like Dominic Cruz wasn't rubbing or vibing the right way and just kind of took offense to that. And 
came off to a lot of people like Dominic Cruz was the know-it-all. I saw a lot of people on Twitter going off about that. And Dominic Cruz can be kind of like that, but he's a good guy. And no matter what you're hearing on that commentary, it might not be that real reality. It might be the perceived reality that we think it is, but those guys get along, Joe Rogan and Dominic Cruz. They, they've done podcasts together before. They've known each other for a long time. Uh, there were those vibes, like you pick it up all the time on podcasts and stuff like that. Most of the time, they're not real. But last night, there was a really weird vibe going on. And I saw a lot of you guys agreeing with me. Like they, There was something missing about UFC 219, and the commentary uh, added to that missing vibe as well. Like There was just something off about it. And uh, in this fight, it definitely stood out a little more than other fights. But Rick Glenman, going back to the drawing board, former champion for World Series of Fighting, I've interviewed him before. Uh, he's even done a giveaway for Pure Evil MMA. A couple of our listeners this year uh, received two shirts. Let's see. Uh, Dandy Dave received a Rick Glenn shirt. And Lisa out there in, New, uh, in England rocking the Rick Glenn shirt. And Lisa's a tiny little girl. And Rick Glenn, I mean, the dude's freaking huge. He sent us a couple of extra larges. And it looks like Lisa is literally, looked like she mugged a, a giant and stole his clothes. <laughs> like, wearing it. So, uh, you know, love Rick Glenn. Appreciate everything, but I don't. That wasn't Rick Glenn last night, man. He wasn't performing at his best, and I don't know what was going on. wasn't able to find his rhythm, and uh, I know a lot of people out there were upset. But huge win for Miles Jury, and got a lot of people a little more serious as to uh, maybe a little more excited to see what Miles Jury is going to do next. I mean, he's been around for forever. It feels like. Um, ending this card out, Louis Samoka. I mean, we had Vittori versus Akhmedov. That ended in a draw. I mean, it was just a really weird start to the night. All these prelims that we had, I just like couldn't get. I couldn't get in the rhythm. I personally couldn't get myself in the rhythm to really get hyped about UFC 219. I don't know if it goes back to UFC's lack of promotion, uh, promoting this fight. But you know, I, I had every reason to be excited about this, but there was just something missing, and I can't put my finger on it. But the the prelims were just so weird. I mean, there were exciting fights, but they weren't what we wanted. Like, we wanted to see some finishes. There was a couple of uh, couple of exciting fights, but nothing that really stuck out. How about Louis Samoka versus Nicolou? Louis Samoka, man, losing the first round 10-8. I mean, another very tough dude. He was even mouthing off to uh, Nicolou, but, you know, top-ranked, top-15 Louis Samoka had a really rough 2017. I believe that's, like, his third loss this year, unfortunately. And he dropped, like, Nicola dropped Smoka three times in the first round. Like, it, it started getting ugly, and I started getting really nervous for Louis Samoka, but uh, he was able to survive the... The first round and the second round, he got wobbled. The third round, it was just uh, really gliding, but he was just putting pressure on the entire time. I mean, that tough Hawaiian uh, background, and it would have been a huge win for him because Dana White, the day before, was just talking about having possibly a UFC event down in Hawaii. So if you had Luis Samoka win last night, you're putting him right on that card. So I think he was really upset that he wasn't able to get the win. Maybe that was a little added pressure on his back foot. Either way, he put on a an exciting fight, but wasn't able to put uh, pieces together and wasn't able to pull it with the win. Tim Elliott goes in there, and this was one of the best moments of the night just because his coach passed away a couple of weeks ago, 
And, uh, you know, there was a lot on Tim Elliott's back because he was originally supposed to fight on the last UFC card, but his opponent got injured, fell off the card. He was torn, really upset. He gets the fight for UFC 219, pulls off the submission in the second round. And we all have been following Tim for a long time now. And he's been in the UFC. He left the UFC, went to Titan FC, became champ there, goes on the Ultimate Fighter, wins that, and he fights DJ and gave DJ a run for his money. I mean, out of any of the last couple of fights that Demetrius Mighty Mouse Johnson has had, Tim Elliott had Mighty Mouse in a couple of tight positions where I was like, is Mighty Mouse going to be able to escape the submission attempt? We all know that he did, but Tim Elliott gave him a run for his money, and since then he's been hot and cold. If he lost last night, he could have gotten the pink slip. It would have been another prime example of don't take a fight on short notice. But it works out in his way, uh, and he gets the win, and he dedicates the fight to his coach, Robert Follis. That was UFC 219. What moments stood out? Uh, let me tell you right now who got the performance of the night bonus. I believe it was Habib Nurmagomedov, which he totally deserved it. I mean, out of all the fights, that's really what stood out to me out of most of those fights, without a doubt. Um, also, we had, oh my God, now I'm drawing a blank. All right, so fight of the night goes to Chris Cyborg versus Holly Holm. I think that was definitely one of the best fights of the night just because of what the fight meant. I mean, you had the girl that ended Ronda Rousey's career, which was Holly Holm, versus the woman Ronda was too, too shook to fight. I mean, just what this fight meant, the title of it, and Chris Cyborg getting one of the toughest opponents of her career, a lot of people said, even the same for Holly Holm and vice versa. A lot of people wanted Holly Holm to pull it off. Didn't happen. Chris Cyborg went in there and really proved herself here in this fight that she is one of the baddest women on the planet. And uh, this doesn't come along. This is like literally once in a lifetime you see somebody like Chris Cyborg come along and uh, just dominate every person that is put in front of her. And to beat Holly Holm last night the way that she did, she definitely deserves 50K. Um, Edson Barboza and Habib Nurmagomedov. Habib goes home with 50K. And Tim Elliott, who submitted the UFC newcomer, Mark De La Rosa, uh, with a first-round submission, he also goes home with 50K. And that, that must have been huge for him. I mean, my heart goes out to everybody that was affected with uh, what occurred with Robert. And, uh, you know, God bless everybody who had a hard holiday. I know there's a lot of our listeners out there that really are going through a rough time right now, and I can definitely relate, but let me share this piece of information with you. Even though what happened happened, we have to accept it. We have to keep living, and those moments in time where you're just really wrapped up in the thought and it's really bothering you, as the days go, as, as the days go on, those waves are going to get further and further apart where it's still going to bother you and it's still going to hurt, but the times of day is just more spread out and you'll start learning things you'll start being able to live vicariously through that person like take what you saw in that person that you really loved about them pull into you and share to the world that aspect of that person and let it live out through you if you understand what i'm saying i hope you do guys it's new year's um my new year's resolution uh, right now it's 8 30 almost nine o'clock I tell you right now, I need to lose a couple of pounds, so I might go out to Barnes and Noble and get Chael Sonnen's new uh, weight loss or something. If you guys have any suggestions, I'll do it on the podcast. We'll do week by week. I'll keep you guys all posted on what, how much I'm losing. If you guys have any suggestions, let me know on Twitter at evil under echo. It's right down here below on the video cast. 
And thank you so much to all of our listeners throughout 2017. Over 100,000 downloads. And that means so much. Moving into 2018, I want to build more on the video cast. Like I said, got the new webcam. But uh, 2017 was a huge success in my opinion. And we were nominated not once but twice this year for one best MMA underground Twitter account. And I was nominated amongst some of the best out there like Kaposa and Izzy um, and a couple MMA gifts. Um, uh, MMA Ghost, a lot of big profiles that you know I've come to know very well over the over the years of being on Twitter and just to be nominated for that means a lot. And also on mymmanews.com, where it's where you can find all of your peer evil MMA content. Uh, I was nominated for best MMA podcast news podcast of the year. So just those two nominations mean a lot to us. It doesn't matter if we get first, second, third. It doesn't matter. Just to be nominated means a lot to me. No. Uh, makes me know that we're heading in the right direction. 2018, I have a lot of special things planned for all of our listeners here on Pure Evil MMA. So thank you so much for tuning in. Let me announce our UFC Pick'em winners because after UFC 219, which just went down last night, that was the last event of the year. So we are going to be starting fresh. So for any of our new listeners that want to get down on our UFC Pick'em, what it is, is every UFC event, we make our predictions on UFC.com using the Fantasy app. Get our predictions in, and we go head-to-head with one another. So you pick a fight, like last night, you pick Chris Cyborg. You wanted to win by knockout. You pick the round, third round, and if you, you get points for uh, what you get correct. So last night, our winner was Love MMA with 1,840 points. In second, Disturb. In third, MMA pick. In fourth, Brock Lesnar's Teddy Bear. In fifth, Garrett K. MMA. Sixth, Yusuf. Seventh, Andrea. And 8th, Minion McGrunnan, ninth Into the Storm, and 10th, Iceman. And our overall winner of the year goes to Iceman, who was in first place like throughout the whole entirety of 2017. So, big shout-out to him, who I believe is in like the top 10 in the world. Another huge shout-out goes to Minion McGrunnan, who places number one in France on UFC Pick'em. Shout-out to everybody in the Pure of Army. Shout-out to Yusuf, Leslie, Ann and Mike, uh, Andreas, Pat. Rizzer, everybody, Lisa, everybody that is tuned in 2017 has meant so much. Let's rate this card and let's go on with our day here. UFC 219, we're giving it out of five stars. You know what? Let me change it because five stars, I mean, there are some events where I'm like, maybe that deserves like a two or a three, but I ended up giving it a three. Maybe that deserves a three and a half. It just sounds weird. So out of 10 stars, I think that's a little bit better. So UFC 219, looking at it at a whole. We're giving it out of 10 stars. I think it falls in the range of maybe a 6 or a 7. 5, 6, or 7. Somewhere in there it's falling in between. But Habib Nurmagomedov, an amazing performance by him. Chris Cyborg moving forward. A decision win. We wanted to see a little more. But uh, it is what it is. I'm giving I'm going to say it a 6. So let me know what you guys think on Twitter. And guys, have a safe New Year's. Thank you so much. And last of all, behave yourselves.